0: Alright, welcome back to the Scared to Death podcast. This podcast is organized and presented by undergraduate and graduate students of the Terror Management Lab at James Madison University. My name is Charlotte and I'm an undergraduate psychology major here at JMU. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Lori Pitts, the founding director of Voices Unbarred, a re program that offers people who are incarcerated a platform for their vo- for their voices to be heard, to talk about her work and the impact it makes on the world and those involved. Lori, thank you so much for being here today. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yes, hi. Um, uh, There's so much about me, (laughs) Um, but yes, I am the founder and artistic director of Voices on Bard, and we're the main program of Ally Theater Company, and I'm also a performing artist, a director a producer an improviser so I'm all in the arts world Um, oh my gosh that's so awesome what a lengthy
0: resume what type of um performing arts do you like participate in like ballet dance
1: um primarily theater okay yeah on the professional level I am also a dancer though I love love to dance oh my gosh that's so (laughs) awesome (laughs) that's so cool
0: um, and then, how would you describe Voices Unbarred and what was your motivation behind creating a nonprofit?
1: Yeah, so Voices Unbarred, um, like you said, we're a nonprofit organization and our main mission is to amplify the voices of people who've experienced incarceration. So we go into facilities and work with people currently incarcerated, but we also work with people who used to be incarcerated or have, ex- have been incarcerated previously. Right. Um, and we do all of our work through theater. So when we go in, we help them write full-length performances that feature their real stories as well as um, their ideas for change around the prison system. And they perform that in the facility. We hire uh, formerly incarcerated people to perform their work out in the community. And we also do things around... Policy and advocacy through this work. So we'll invite policymakers in, um, community members in, to see these performances and have a discussion through theater around what changes can be made, um, so that we can advocate for more social justice.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, when you bring in the people who were either previously incarcerated or they're currently incarcerated do you find that they are really interested in working with you or do they kind of seem like guarded?
1: Um, some of both. I think when we go into the facilities, you know, if you're like, we're going to do theater, a lot of people yeah. are like, uh, I'm not a theater artist or yeah. might feel some type of way about that. So as I've done this work, I've kind of explored with how I introduce it. And I actually do a specific type of theater called Theater of the Oppressed. And so... It's all about featuring just like your real person, exploring the systems around you and um, ways to change it. So I actually will just introduce it kind of like we're going to do this activity um, so that I try to scaffold it. So it's a, le- a little less scary for them. Okay. Um, but also I found my work is all about them. And so I think once they realize that I'm authentically there to like listen to them and their stories mm. and they realize like oh people care about what I have to say I think they're always on board yeah um, and then it just happens to be through the vehicle of theater that makes sense um and then when did you realize that you wanted to work with people who were previously incarcerated um I started thinking about it probably around 2015 um I've always worked with people who otherwise wouldn't have that I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've always worked with people who wouldn't otherwise maybe have a theater experience or like people have kind of forgotten them in society. Um, So it it felt like a natural transition to work with people who've experienced incarceration. Um, And so at that time, I was kind of looking at like, where can I do more theater of the oppressed? Who really needs this? And I just kind of, as I started researching incarceration, I was like, these are some of the most oppressed people in America. Yeah, They're definitely. set aside from society. They're seen as not human. They're labeled as just like criminal no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also intersects with so many other systems, like the economic justice system and race. And I just, I felt like I was called to kind of work on this because I thought I could have like the biggest impact yeah. by working with them. Yeah,
0: That's amazing. Um, and then So this kind of like relates back to my question earlier about when they seem guarded, like how could you help? Um, Like kind of just like bring them in and embrace like the whole theater and performance thing. Um, But when or if you see a lack of self-esteem among the participants, how do you help them get past it? And do you find that it's easy for them to get past it or is it a little bit of a process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... Again, it it comes to facilitation style. I think if you take a workshop with me, you'll hear me say constantly, like, there's no right or wrong, Mm -hmm. and that's what I love about the arts in general, but particularly theater of the oppressed, is, like, there is, you're you're an expert in your life, (laughs) and so you can't be wrong, just Mm -hmm. share what you know, and then with theater in general, there's, like, there's no wrong way to do it, it's artistic, so... I just constantly am reminding of th- them of that. And again, like I said before, it's like I've tried to scaffold it up so it's not just like, okay, write a script. And yeah. they're like, what? It's like, okay, first let's just play this game. Okay, we played that game. Now <laughs> let's have a discussion. Okay, that's easy. All right, let's just write down some of our ideas about that discussion. Yeah. Okay. By the way, you just wrote a script. <laughs> like, so yeah. it kind of like scaffolds up like that where I try to make – there's like there's never a moment that's just like – go create, (laughs) like happens subtly. So, I mean, that's not to say that people don't feel self-conscious or anything like that, Uh, but I think it's just constant encouragement and showing them that, like, they are artists and being there for them. And every time they do something, kind of being like, that is really great, like, that's so awesome. Like, here's, here's the artistry that you didn't know you had. Like, let me point this part out. And so they just start to feel more confident and comfortable in sharing their own stories. Interesting. Um, And then I don't know if I missed this earlier, but where
0: do you do this work? Is it in the prisons themselves or do you have like an area that they come to? Do they go to the um, Kimmel Center or
1: is it like a mix? So uh, lots of places. So when we're in a facility, like we will go into a prison and do work there. Um, we're primarily based in Washington, D.C., so we'll, the DMV area, we've worked in facilities all around there, Um, and then when we're working with people who are formerly incarcerated, that's out in the community, so we'll get donated space, we've actually had a partnership with the Kennedy Center for the last three years, which has been amazing, because then, you know, you get the name recognition, the beautiful space, the support, um, and like the people we work with get to perform on one of the biggest (laughs) stages in America, which is like so empowering and cool um, that their voices get to be captured there. But yeah, so we'll, we'll work at donated spaces. We've worked at churches, we've worked at community centers, libraries. um, So just like wherever their voice can be heard, we actually like to kind of travel around the city and get different people who might not experience interacting with somebody who's been incarcerated. Mm. we like to get them involved.
0: That's awesome. Um, And then, how have you seen the participants of the Voices Unbarred program grow, either like personally or emotionally, um, just throughout your experience with them?
1: A a lot. I feel like (laughs) I could talk on and on and on about it. Um, I think, like, I'll I'll have a few stories for you. Yeah, of course. uh, Like, when working within the facility, we work with them typically for about like three to four months so it's it's a long-term relationship but you know it's shorter in the great span of life um so in in that instance I always think of like seeing them from day one where they're kind of like oh what are you gonna do like I don't want to participate to like the end where they're like starting to direct they're like no 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 you you (laughs) go over there and that's gonna be stronger and then I'm gonna come over here (laughs) and like how about I say my piece first like I, I feel like that growth and just seeing how confident they are and when they take over like the directing I'm like perfect because I'm just here to bring the tools and like you're here to bring the stories and the ideas so I always love that growth and like we give them a post survey and like things that they've written where they're like wow I forgot I was human like thank you so much for reminding me of that and um, I'm trying to think of some other quotes off the top of my head but like it's always kind of like wow like I didn't I had never met the other guys in this program, even though we meet weekly. Um, and so like theater really helped me kind of see them as like men instead of just other people. Um, so I think that type of growth is the kind of stuff we see within prison facilities. Um, but what really excites me is like, um, so sometimes we've worked with somebody in the, in the prison. And then when they were released, they still came to work with us. So, one of my favorite stories is of this guy Malik and he was in our very first program um, in the prison. It was a federal program. So people were there from everywhere o- around the country and you know, he really picked it up, did a great job. He always was coming with scene ideas and then the next cohort that we worked with, he just on his, of his own volition came back and was like, I'm going to mentor like this next group and help them create, which was awesome. Cause I had never even like, considered that I wasn't like against it, but I was just like, Oh, I didn't know. Like that was possible. <laughs> this is great. And then when he was released, he was released into DC cause that's where he was from. And so he was, he reached out and was like, I want to keep working with you. And so like that long-term relationship and how you can see somebody grow from like being incarcerated, being outside. And now like a very strong advocate with us, it's just like so amazing. And those long-term relationships like mean everything <laughs> to me. So that's really amazing um, to see that kind of growth. And I've seen him start his own business. Like, he, run, he does this, like, fitness. Um, he, co- he co-founded it with, two, uh, I think, two other people who were also previously incarcerated. And, yeah, they do fitness for, like, um, wards in D.C. that don't often get, like, can't join a gym or don't g- or aren't as healthy in certain ways. So that's been awesome. And um, one other story I'll share is of Devin I met him in 2020, I believe, like before the pandemic, which is wild to imagine, but he started working with us and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, like I have a consulting firm, like I kind of want to work with you in that way, but he started performing with us and it, it, from his own words, he was just like, it really helped me see how much like trauma I was still holding on to and like how the arts can really help you express that. And he loves to say, like, to build an army of advocates. So he's all on board (laughs) with that. And even this week, he represented us at one of our partnership meetings. He's represented us. like, He's connected us, us to other partners. He spoke at the opening of a performance that we partnered with and represented us. And so I just see how much he's grown in using the arts and advocating for the arts when you know, he just started as like, oh yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try it. So I just see a lot of that kind of like confidence in like, oh, I can't advocate and taking this on for myself and like sharing that <laughs> out in the world.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, do you find that the people often create a community within each other
1: and do they keep in touch with each other afterwards? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Like uh, the number of times we come into rehearsal and they're like, oh, Hey, like, thanks for letting me sleep on your couch. That one time (laughs) I was in town or, you know, I I, I texted you about lunch. (laughs) Why didn't you respond? Like, and so I was like, oh wow, they're really forming a community. Like I saw it when I was working with them, but I had no idea how much they were forming it and like how much it's meant to them. They've said, you know, that like, it's not common to get out of prison and, always find other people who are like trying to better themselves use these things for advocacy Um, and I'm I'm very lucky I work with a lot of people who started their own companies and so like I think they they love kind of being surrounded by other people who are encouraging them to keep going on their dreams so it's been very cool yeah
0: and what would you say is the most fulfilling part of working with the participants I feel like you would probably say from your previous answers that like seeing them come together and like form this community but um for like you personally has there been anything that you think has really really benefited you from forming this program?
1: Yes I mean the relationships alone are just so amazing to think about and yesterday was actually our fifth anniversary of becoming an organization so that's been very exciting thank you um but I was reflecting a lot yesterday about like wow I didn't know any of these people five years ago and now I'm so close to some of them like they're invited to my wedding like we have formed really good relationships and I just feel so lucky to like know them and talk with them and so I think that like reflecting on the people that have been brought into my life through this is definitely the most fulfilling for me right yeah um, and then
0: what would you say, like, when witnessing these, like, previously incarcerated people forming their own bonds and everything, would you say that they would, like, keep coming back? I know that you mentioned that, like, people keep coming back, but do you think that they would go and, like, form their own like groups to perform and like where you mentioned that like these groups like go off and perform in other places like where do they usually go and like do do they tell their own stories or do they focus on like some other
1: stories as well um I think I haven't heard any of them mention like creating a different group necessarily I think a lot of them love voices on bard and are like I don't like the word loyal, but, like, loyal to <laughs> it and, like, we love this work. Yeah. Um, they love working with me, and I only say that because they have said that out loud to me. <laughs> um, so I think they, like, like this community, and it's not necessarily about creating something separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, like, like Devin has been, like, I really love performing, and yeah. so he's worked with other groups in D.C. that work with people who are formerly incarcerated um, and other groups who offer kind of theatrical type things like he mm-hmm. he has gone and like worked with them as well and he's always trying to connect us he's like let's do this again let's do this mm-hmm. so um I think it's more about like incorporating right. partnerships in and less about creating a new group a different group okay yeah um I'm trying to yeah yeah I think that I think that answers the yeah. question but let me know if not no no you're good okay. yeah yeah that answered it
0: um and then I think I think now is a good time to transition into our rapid fire questions. So these are just going to be short questions and you can answer them however you want. You can even elaborate if you'd like, um, but it's kind of just like whatever comes to the top of your head first. Okay. So uh, I'm going
1: to start. What's your favorite food? Chips. Chips. Okay. <laughs> All flavors of chips. Any flavors. Okay. okay. All I mean, flavors. I prefer like spicy and barbecue. Okay. I love a tangy sweet spicy mix. okay any um, certain brand? Well, this is a, this will get into <laughs> a long answer. Um, <laughs> I have had to be carb free for the last okay. like five years and so I've like constantly experimented with non potato chips to try and find one um, So you're asking my favorite brand from way back in the day yeah Utz Hawaii wait no H- Utz Maui barbecue okay. I are the jam.
0: <laughs> are <my> jam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what is one part of your daily routine that you would never skip?
1: Breakfast. I don't do well if I haven't eaten. Yeah. So even if I am not looking great, I still eat breakfast and skip <laughs> skip the other stuff. <laughs> what is your least favorite job that you've ever held? Um, I worked in a laundromat for one summer. And the work was fine, but I did not like the atmosphere that it was very like, like everyone was looking at your every minute and what you did. And I remember being reported because I like pulled out my phone to answer a text and they were like, she needs to be deducted pay because like she didn't work (laughs) for these five minutes. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, there's nothing to be like I was doing what I needed to be doing. And so I just really didn't like that. Yeah. Environment. Yeah. That's a little bit toxic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What is your biggest pet peeve? Um, Having a system and not following it. (laughs) I'm trying to think of an example of that. But like when you're in some sort of workshop or whatever and they've been like, we're going to like always raise your hand if you're going to say something. And then you start doing the workshop and then. They're like, hmm, how should I choose? And no one's raising their hand and I'm like, we made a system for it. Let's let's just follow it. Um I don't know. That's not the this best is example like of it. a voices on bard experience. I'm very workshoppy and just like all the time. No, the, it, and it it goes out into like driving or all sorts of things. Right. Which I'm failing to come up with a good example, but like So like follow the social norms. Uh, no, see I wouldn't even want to say that though. <laughs> as as a theater of the oppressed person, I'm like all about like examining the systems True. and like pushing back on them. That's why I'm like, ah, I need to come up with a good example of yeah. this. But, oh, it's not coming to me. That's okay. So yeah, that's fine. I'll let you know later if okay. something <laughs> comes up. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Purple. So I love being at JMU. I get to see it all the time. <laughs> True. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Are you an optimist or a realist? Optimist, absolutely. Awesome. And then morning person or night owl? N- n- night owl in my actions but I do enjoy the morning when I can wake up and see it <laughs> okay winter or summer summer growing up it was winter but I moved locations so I think now I'm a summer what's your biggest regret mm. well <laughs> if we want to get really deep go ahead um, <laughs> I have several regrets around family members' deaths. So, like, my granny died when I was 13, and I had I didn't say bye to her the last time we had visited. So I think about that a lot, of like, why didn't I do that? That's ridiculous. Um, and the other one was my uncle died when I was in college, and I was like, I'm just so busy, I can't go to the funeral. And I really regret that, because mm-hmm. now that I'm older, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's tough to not feel like... You're getting that closure, but, hey, we're on the Terror Management Theory Podcast, (laughs) so this is a great place to discuss that. Yeah. Um, Would you rather be able to go back in time or see the future? Are there rules? Like, can people see me? You can
1: decide that, because if that's
0: going to sway your decision, then I would want to hear
1: your opinion on that. Okay. I think if people can't see me, I'd rather go to the past. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want any of the pressure of like, oops, I changed all of history and ruined right. everything. And also being a black woman, I'm like, I think it might be very scary to go to the past. Yeah. But if I couldn't be seen, I think I would do that. If I could be seen, I, I would maybe go to the future because then I could participate and talk to people yeah. and then bring that information back.
0: <laughs> what would you want to know specifically from the future?
1: Um, I mean, I, I feel like I would be like, how did we get here? Like, what were the important events? Um, I'd probably want to know, like, if certain TV shows get continued, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'd probably want to do some like things that don't matter at all, but also like some serious things. (laughs) What's your favorite show? Ooh. Um, it varies depending on what I'm watching in the moment. What am I watching right now, though? Uh, <laughs> oh, I just started watching Miracle Workers. Oh, I haven't heard of it. I, I've, it has such a big cast. I also hadn't really heard of it. And then I keep asking people, and they're like, I haven't heard of it. But, like, Steve Buscemi is in it. Daniel Radcliffe is in it. Whoa. Um, one of my f- This is why I started watching it. was Lolly. Oh, I'm going to mess up her name. Lolly Adafope. Okay. She's a British comedian. And she's in Ghosts, which is another one of my favorite shows. The British version. Um, And so I just started watching all the stuff she's in. I like it. It's like an anthology comedy series. It's hilarious. I think it's really creative. So I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I
0: am usually not into shows, but I just started watching Abbott Elementary (laughs) because it's like (laughs) Philly based too. So any Philly fans or Eagles fans out there. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. That's been like super funny. I love that one. Yeah. And then
1: what, do you feel gives your life meaning? Um, I, I So growing up, I heard this quote that was like, uh, your greatest passion and the world's greatest need is where you're called to. And I try to live by that because I think that's like what makes life feel meaningful is yeah. you're like, okay, I'm doing something and I'm like passionate about it. And so I guess... The yeah, I guess what brings my life meaning are the relationships around me and like the feeling like I'm connected to the world. Right. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's the end of our rapid fire questions. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the scared to death podcast and tune in for more episodes later this year.